Black at Wharton. 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 I'm Shawnice Davis. And I'm Rotimi Fadia. We are second year MBA students and the hosts of Black at Wharton, the podcast. On this podcast, you will hear from MBA students, prominent faculty, and professionals across a variety of industries, each sharing their insights on the MBA experience and professional life. So you might be asking yourself, who is this podcast for? Students, alum, business professionals, thought leaders? The simple answer is yes. With our wide-ranging season, we will have a little something for everyone. Think of us as a digital archive for all things happening in and around our community. Because Black at Wharton is more than just a name. It's a coalition of student groups. It's a network of Black professionals. It's home. This is Black at Wharton. The podcast. If you feel as if Wharton is home for you, regardless of what your application profile looks like, regardless of how you feel about your GMAT or GRE score, regardless of how you feel about your work experience, shoot your shot. On our last episode, we unpacked what Black at Wharton means, discovering the rich history that brought it to life, starting with a single student, and the amazing community that it has grown to be. With a strong coalition of student groups and an expansive network of Black professionals, Black at Wharton has created a true sense of belonging for many MBAs. I especially loved hearing how so many people felt like it was home for them. Absolutely, Shanice. I came to Wharton specifically because of diversity and community. I wanted to meet as large and diverse a group of students as I could, people coming from different academic and professional backgrounds, different countries, life experiences, and future aspirations. I felt very strongly that by exposing myself to this diversity, I would be challenged in ways that I hadn't been in the past. And secondly, community. Simply put, when speaking to current students, there was a richness to the Wharton community that I consistently heard about, and I was excited to embrace that. Yes, the community was a huge draw for me too. But it's huge. When I was deciding on Wharton, I was so nervous. I'd never been to such a big school before. My undergrad and law school classes were just much, much smaller. At Duke, for instance, we had about 300 JD students compared to nearly 900 Wharton MBAs. That's a big difference. Many prospective students can probably relate. That's why on this episode, we're going to focus on the architecture of the MBA program. And by that, we mean the formal and informal ways that Wharton fosters connection, from the many student-led clubs and groups to the people that make it truly special. And of course, we have all the admission tips. We will hear from students, staff, faculty, and Dean Erica James with advice on how to make yourself stand out in the application process. One of the questions we asked current students was, What drew you to attend Wharton for your MBA? We heard from many students about what made Wharton stand out for them. And this first student was clear on her reasons. 
Hi, my name is Anita Shears. I am a first year MBA student and one of the marketing directors for the Whitney M. Young Jr. Memorial Conference. So I have pretty ambitious personal and professional goals. It was critical for me to attend an MBA program that would not only further my knowledge within my specific areas of growth, but a school that would develop me as a leader and provide me with a strong yet reliable network. I also wanted to be in a program with a very strong student life. When I was evaluating MBA programs, Wharton checked off all of those boxes for me. Anita hit all the core reasons that many MBAs expressed as to why they chose Wharton. Strong network and prestige, leadership development, and a vibrant student life. The opportunities after Wharton are boundless. Wharton is consistently ranked as one of the top MBA programs for full-time offers and 20-year earnings. Not to mention that all MBAs have access to the 100,000 Wharton alumni. But what happens during the program? How does Wharton build leaders? Once admitted, MBAs have access to 21 academic concentrations, from accounting to marketing, and now the newest addition, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can also double and even triple major if you're really ambitious, or create your own major with faculty approval. With the many electives offered, you can customize your education to fit your future career goals and interests. We spoke to Wharton faculty about one way that Wharton stands out in its offerings. My name is Antoinette McDermott. I am currently the director of the communication program at Wharton, and that program teaches communication courses to first-year MBA students, the executive MBA students, and then we also coach PhD students on their research papers and job talks. Communication skills are consistently ranked as one of the top skills that recruiters are looking for in candidates, and it's also ranked one of the top skills that they find hard to find. I was at a conference and there was a panel of CEOs and one of the CEOs said something that really stuck with me and, and what he said was when he is recruiting MBA students, he's looking for candidates who can communicate with clarity and purpose. And he went on to say that MBA students are very good at quant. They can do the analysis. But what he finds harder to find is their ability to communicate that analysis in a way that has meaning. And I thought that was just so profound because that is essentially what we teach students to do. When companies hire Wharton students, they're not hiring you to come in and maintain the status quo. They're hiring you to come in and help move the organization forward. Your ability to do that is directly tied to how clearly and persuasively you can communicate your ideas. And that is what our program teaches you to do. That is crucial for not only landing that job, but excelling in that job and eventually becoming the leader of whatever company you go to work for. Antoinette makes a good case for why Wharton emphasizes communication skills. And one Wharton student tells us just how he made the most of these services. Hi y'all, my name is Chathan Panda. I'm a second year from Austin, Texas. Before coming to Wharton, Chathan worked in quantitative finance, so he developed those classic skills that Antoinette mentioned, computational and mathematical capabilities. But he also ran as a candidate for U.S. Congress in Texas, so he came to Wharton with a desire to hone the communication side of things. Everyone takes the WHCP class, public speaking. I really appreciated that class, but I knew that I needed more. I have high goals for myself. and. Really, the people that I aspire to be from a public speaking standpoint are 
the best speakers to ever do it. Your Obamas, your Martin Luther Kings, Ronald Reagans. And so I actually worked with my teacher from first semester, worked with her independently. And I still do that. And we work on how to have conversations at like town hall forums, how to talk about myself, how to tell stories, how to become a better speaker. So Wharton teaches MBAs to be fully equipped leaders with technical and communication skills. But how does the school make it feel like home? How does it foster a community with 900 MBAs? Well, for starters, each class is broken down into four clusters. Think of it like Harry Potter houses, each one with its own identity. Shanice and I are actually in the same cluster. Cluster one, go Lions. Then, clusters are broken down even further into cohorts, a subset of students that will take all of their core classes together. And the last subdivision is the learning team, a small group of students, about five or six, who are in your cluster and cohort, working together in classes with you and hopefully acting as some of your first close friendships. Wharton offers a lot of opportunities outside of the classroom. We have a bunch of fellowships, like leadership fellows, career fellows, and much more. For example, I'm a student life fellow. We're second years who help first year students adjust to MBA life by providing guidance, advice, and information about relevant resources. There are also student leadership ventures that students can join in their first and second year. In a few weeks, I'm going to New Zealand for 100 miles of hiking, biking, and kayaking that will not only challenge us physically, but mentally as well, as we alternate leading the group of students across the gorgeous South Island. Black at Wharton also helps build community for its members. Amba has families that are made up of a handful of second-year parents, aunts, and uncles to socialize with their assigned first-years and help them with questions about career, academics, or just life in general. We can't forget about Anne Friends, a weekend of festivities thrown by Wharton students to bring together the Black at Wharton community and their non-Wharton friends. Check out the Anne Friends Instagram to see some of that magic in action. It's not just the formal structures or the architecture of the school that makes it special. It's also the people. Coming to Wharton means networking with an incredibly vibrant group of humans. In the class of 2023, there were 7,338 applications and 897 enrolled MBAs. It was also a class with 52% women, setting the record in Wharton history. Within that class, 83 countries are represented. We have 35% people of color, 36% international students, and 7% openly LGBTQ students. There are also many students pursuing dual degrees, 18 JD MBAs, 80 in the Lauder program, 71 in healthcare management, and two in Moelis. Our class came from different education and professional backgrounds too. 39% of students studied humanities in undergrad, 33% STEM, and 27% business. Years of prior experience ranged a lot, with a max of 14 years of experience and an average of five. These figures only capture a portion of the range we have, especially within the Black at Wharton community. It's the social life that makes our experience pop. After two years living in the pandemic, I was really craving social interaction, and I knew that Wharton would provide me with amazing classmates from all over the world who I could travel with. 
Anita wasn't the only one who cared about the people. Hey everybody, my name is Joshua Nyungan and I am a first year at the Wharton School. I mean, it's Wharton. It is the best MBA program on the planet, right? When I got to actually speak with alumni, got to actually speak with current students, the relationships I developed with them allowed me to really understand, you know, not only the intellectual aptitude that students have here, but also the EQ alongside that as well. You know, like these were individuals that I genuinely enjoyed talking to, whether the subject matter was, you know, academic or personal or philosophical, so forth. What really solidified that for me was taking the time out to speak with individuals in the Wharton community, get to learn more about what their experience was and actually being able to see myself in their shoes. You may think Wharton is only made up of people with consulting or finance backgrounds. While they are a key feature, they are not the only ones representing. Hi, I'm Corey Carter. Corey is a first year MBA student and she's a world champion in track and field. As a Stanford grad and former Nike sponsored athlete, Corey brings her experiences and perspectives to the community as she furthers her goals. For what I wanted to do, I felt like Wharton was right fit for me. I am a marketing and operations major, and Wharton has one of the largest course offerings. I also felt like building my network was really important, and the alumni network at Wharton is not only vast, but powerful. I just felt like there were so many doors and opportunities that were going to be open for me by going to Wharton. Many students have unique roads to Wharton. My path to Wharton is definitely a bit unconventional. Where I'm from, I'm from Cameroon. US MBAs are not really a thing. So when I was considering applying for an MBA, like I didn't have anybody in my immediate network to lay the land of top MBAs in the US. My passion lies within the energy space and Wharton is probably the only top MBA in the US with a major concentration in energy. <laughs> it makes sense professionally. That's Lionel Okono-Ango another second-year MBA student who earned his master's in mechanical engineering. Despite an unsure path to Wharton, Lionel has certainly made his mark on our community. This fall, he co-chaired the Wharton Energy and Climate Conference with 300-plus attendees. The truth is that I didn't really know Wharton, but throughout the application process, I read online that HSW was a thing. HSW stands for Harvard Stanford Wharton, a reference to some of the most sought after MBA programs. So the truth is that I applied to Wharton round one only because I already had application for HNS. And I, I know it's reckless, but that's just the truth. And then at some point, like I started freaking out, like how could I do that? That was a huge mistake. How could I apply to school without knowing much about it? And that's when I decided to change that. But I decided to like reach out to people on LinkedIn from Wharton. I reached out to probably 10 people and that's when the magic happened. Not only they replied, but they really went the extra mile for me. That for me was like a tipping point. I was like, I'm not even part of this community yet, but these are people who are willing to go above and beyond to make sure that I join the community. That's quite frankly when I fell in love with Wharton and to the point where I was like, if I don't get into the school, I will reapply until I get in. Lionel raises a good point. Many of us didn't know how to navigate the MBA process, and websites can only provide so much. Wharton has an admission rate of just 9%, and the school advises students to prepare for over $100,000 of expenses per year. This means a highly competitive and expensive program. So we turn to the people behind the process, 
to get a better understanding of how to become a part of the Wharton community. My name is Blair Mannix. I am the Director of Admissions here at the Wharton MBA program. I have been in admissions at Penn and Wharton for 16 years, almost 17, which seems crazy. I have been a member of the ADCOM at the Wharton MBA program for almost 11 years and have been sitting in this chair for about four. With this much experience in admissions, Blair gave great advice for prospective students. One of the things I love when I meet prospective students, whether in virtual sessions or on the road, is they'll say things to me like, you know, I've been looking at a lot of the peer schools, but they just feel very different culturally. And I'm just like, yes, that's right, because not all business schools are created equal. We don't have the same vibe. We don't have the same goals. We don't have the same attitudes and cultures. We teach differently. We ask students to learn differently. We deliver different content in different ways on different topics and different electives. Our culture is, I think, a little bit more social and vibrant. She also noted that Wharton students are unique in building the culture. What I have observed in the student community, and certainly what we try to curate, is this idea that Wharton students want to be involved in the ground level of things. Wharton students are really practical and tactile and are humble enough to know that success in business and success in career and in life is really about being on the ground level as well as managing and leading. And I think those two dichotomies are really important and certainly core to the culture of what a Wharton student is. So let's talk process. When we're looking at your applications, we're looking for the best day of your life, not the worst day of your life. Looking for the best parts of your application and your background and not the worst. We were just training our admissions fellows interviewers last week, and I started out the, the training session by saying, okay, guys, the guiding light ideology is we want to make sure that the team-based discussion, your interview day at the Wharton School is the best day of your life. I do think there's a special place in hell for people who make business school interviews more stressful than they need to be. Our entire ethos coming into that session is to make Make sure that you're feeling like you're having the best day. Blair also gave a caution for applicants. A lot of people are nervous and they're stressed out and they're hiring consultants and so I just want to be at the forefront and saying please don't hire people. We are trying to put that information in the ether. Every piece of the application is important, but Blair discussed an often overlooked aspect. Resumes are incredibly powerful real estate in MBA applications. This is not a surprise. This is not a new piece of information. But a lot of students will say, you know, I've had the same job for four years or I've been at the same company for five years. I will say, hey, you're a completely different professional than you were five years ago. You know, think about writing your resume like that. What about the common mistakes in applications? I don't think of applications like that. I don't read applications like that. I've been asked that question for 15 years. I honestly cannot think of an example of like, oh, this student messed up, or I wish students wouldn't do X. Like, that's just not how I read applications, right? That's just not how my brain works. And so to me, like, to reframe the question a little bit, it would be like, how can you best suit yourself to craft the best application possible? And it would be, use our resources. We are literally trying to guide you along the way. And I think, importantly, not just to award an MBA, but to applying to MBA programs in general. Like, I believe in graduate management education. I believe in the ROI of an MBA. And so that's what we're trying to put out into the world. Since Wharton is the oldest business school in the US, it has a rich history and legacy that we covered last episode. But with history comes misconceptions and myths.
I think people outside of Wharton think Wharton is one thing. They think it is cutthroat, they think it is finance, and they don't see that it is other things. On the Wharton Admissions Instagram, Blair debunks some of the top myths. Myth 1. I don't have a background in finance or consulting, so I won't be considered. Well actually, as we've shown, there are many students in each MBA class. Don't count yourself out. Myth 2. If I apply during round 1, I have a better chance of being accepted. In reality, students in round 1 and 2 have equal chances of being admitted, and many are admitted in round 3. Submit your application when it's in the best shape. Myth 3. My undergraduate and academic record isn't strong enough, so I shouldn't apply. Well, don't count yourself out. Myth 4. I'm an undergrad and I don't have enough work experience yet to apply. Well, luckily, Wharton has a program designed especially for students coming out of undergrad who know they want an MBA. Check out the MOLIS program. And finally, Myth 5. Admissions can't possibly read all the thousands of submitted applications. Well, trust me, they do. Wharton assembles a large team of qualified people to ensure all applications are thoroughly reviewed. One of the proudest moments I have in my role, and one of the things I try to talk about as much as possible, is the amount of students that I'm just very grateful and proud to have in our admissions recruitment process. We have 55 admissions fellows on staff here at the Wharton MBA admissions office. They have a website and a profile page, and you can go to that website and profile page and search admissions fellows and reach out to them directly with questions ranging from their backgrounds, from employment to roles, to passports, to where they've lived and worked and, and grown up. And I just want you to connect with them. We have robust amounts of students that are willing and able to talk to prospective students and guide them through the process. And so, you know, just a little plug for all of our students that are working so hard on our behalf. Like I wanted to call out those resources and then just be externally grateful that they exist. More than anything else, you should understand that Wharton Admissions is committed to creating the best class possible. It is not lost on me every single day that I do it, how truly humbling it is. Because we get to read stories from all over the world, from people's backgrounds globally, in different upbringings, in different states, in different countries, with different industries, with different career trajectories, and it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to curate a class where we say we want the most diverse and that's across all metrics and academically talented students in the Wharton MBA program every year. Our staff works really hard to meet students where they are. We want to make sure that we're providing the resources that you really need and frankly have requested. We do a ton of focus groups. We do a ton of surveying. We've worked and retooled the communications to students over the last four or five years to give you exactly what you've been requesting from our office. Now, let's talk money. How can you better plan for the financial investment of a Wharton MBA? My name is Maxina Decoya. I currently lead the financial team at Wharton, so helping students through the process of really financing the MBA. Our office will typically work with students with those kinds of things. I'm Nigerian, right? And so there's this African proverb that says, the man who wants to step in cold water must first pour the water ahead of him, right? And that describes Wharton so well in so many ways, in that not just current students or just staff or faculty members, this just entire community of individuals here, are individuals who typically look forward. How does what I'm doing today in financial aid in my role benefit the next group of students that are gonna be here in another two, three, four, five years? 
Maxine isn't just talking about forward thinking in her role or within her department. She also wants students to follow this advice when preparing for an MBA. It can be quite daunting, right? You take a look and you say, well, I don't know if I can make this work. I think the first thing I'd say is don't be intimidated. The financial aid team has a wealth of knowledge when it comes down to like working students through the process and advising and counseling them through this process. Many prospective students wonder, what kind of financial aid does Wharton provide? Wharton itself is a merit-based institution. It's very subjective from student to student. So we say reach out to a member of the team who helped through the process. And Maxine has a core piece of advice. Do your research, right? I can't stress this enough. You want to do the research and do it twice over if you can. In addition to that, make sure that, that you're planning, right? This is, as we all know, a, a major investment. There are a lot of resources that you can actually online take a look at. The admissions team does a fantastic job at uncovering a lot of what that process looks like. But I think you, you can't really trade in being on campus and getting a feel for the community. Rotimi and I know from experience that speaking to as many people as possible is incredibly important. So we brought some student advice to you. If you feel as if Wharton is home for you, if you feel as if this is the environment where you feel as if you can make an impact as well as an environment where you feel as if you can succeed, regardless of what your application profile looks like, regardless of how you feel about your GMAT or GRE score, regardless of how you feel about your you know, work experience, shoot your shot. Joshua is so right. It cannot be said enough. Don't count yourself out. Here's another second year with tips on a successful application. Hello everyone, my name is Tori Orr and I'm the VP of the New Venture Competition for the 49th Annual Whitney M. Young Conference hosted by the Wharton African American MBA Association. If you're still in the early process, put yourself in the best position to do well in admissions. You absolutely owe it to yourself. Commit to preparing for the entry exams and building out a network of strong supporters for the recommendations. And if you're later in the process, I recommend listing out what's important to you and sticking to it. Reach out to current students and alumni to have meaningful conversations about topics that are top of mind for you. And lastly, come to the WMY conference. You absolutely don't want to miss it. And Corey Carter former athlete extraordinaire came back to share application wisdom. I would suggest to prospective students that they reach out to current students or alumni of Wharton because we will answer your questions, we will provide guidance, we will connect you with people. We truly are a community and we are investing in, you know, giving back. I was just really shocked and overwhelmed by the love I received from the Black at Wharton community and I would suggest that prospective students reach out so they can also experience it as well. Lionel spoke earlier about his unconventional path. Here are his pro tips. My advice is that they should come to Wharton, obviously. More seriously, I think that if somebody is listening to this podcast, they are probably already doing the right thing. Uh, because my advice for Black people considering Wharton as their place for their MBA is that they should really take time to ponder on what is important for them what they're trying to get out of this MBA experience and you know sometimes you think it's straightforward but it's not for instance when I was applying I don't think I realized how much I valued this sense of community I'm feeling right now this sense of being part of a family if you ask me that 12 months or 14 months ago I'm not sure I could have put a price on that so I think people should really take time to envision the kind of MBA experience they want to have because quite frankly 
when you're aiming for a top MBA in the US as a black person, I believe that professionally, the outcomes are very similar. And last, but certainly not least, we heard from second year Tolu Oladakbo on what she always tells students thinking of an MBA. I think the way that I've been able to evolve and grow and the kind of support I've received from this community is, is unmatched. And it's something that I recommend anyone who has the opportunity to experience to definitely strongly consider. I know that Wharton was honestly meant for me, my profile, my, my personality, my strengths, even my weaknesses. When I speak to potential students, I always tell them that obviously God can and will make room for you wherever he wants you to be. And I'm a big proponent of making the best of your experience wherever you find yourself. Both Blair and Antoinette had great advice for a person every prospective student should speak with. Everybody should go talk to Eddie Banks Crossan, the director of student life, because he is the best in the business. And I love what he says. He always says some version of, we have master's degrees in connecting you. I mean, some of the things that he has done as far as the student life is concerned for all students, specifically for students of color, have been phenomenal. I think he's doing a really great job of just kind of moving us into the right direction as far as how we should support students in general. We heard from Eddie in episode one, and here he dropped some gems on what every Black prospective student should be thinking about when applying for their MBA. One resource I would say, take advantage of the Black community at Wharton as you apply. Have multiple conversations with different people. Throw out your color-coded spreadsheet, throw out your diagram of what your life is going to look like. Because I will die with this quote in my head. My father said to me when I was really young, how do you let go of what you think it needs to be in order for it to be what it actually is? Many people from this episode share their advice, but I think Dean Erica James sums it up well. I would say, know why you want an MBA from the Wharton School. And then you need to be able to articulate why Wharton will be a better place because you are here. And if you're able to respond to those questions, then I think you are well on your way to being an exceptional member of the Wharton community and being able to both contribute to and reap the benefits of what it means to be a part of this incredible environment. People come to Wharton for many reasons. To access the incredible network, develop their leadership skills, engage with the diversity of students, faculty, and staff, and to grow in the process. I was initially intimidated by Wharton's class size, but since being here, I've really seen that the size of Wharton presents unmatched opportunities. Wharton has changed me into a more intentional person who's willing to go after big, bold and challenging goals. And for students listening, the key takeaways are to do your research, reach out to current students, and come see for yourself. On the next episode of the Black at Wharton podcast, we are talking about one of the great ways that prospective students can experience the community in real life the Whitney M. Young Conference. It is one of the marquee events for the Black at Wharton community and larger Black professional network. You will hear all about the workshops, competitions, and amazing guest speakers at this event. You don't want to miss it. Special thanks to our guests, Anita Shears, 
Chathan Panda, Corey Carter, Lionel Okono Ango, Joshua Nangan, Torior, Toluasi Olodakwa, Antoinette McDermott, Blair Mannix, Maxine Adekoya, Eddie Banks Crossan, and Dean Erica James. It was edited by me, Chanice Davis, and produced by your hosts, me and Artemi Fadia.